Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I was having a little bit of difficulty um, in getting a hold of our guest today, and I I'm I'm on. Right at the hour mark. You are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I picked up the phone and I by mistake hung up on it, so I apologize. Oh, that's okay. I'm just so glad you're here. I want to let everybody know that this is Charlotte Stewart, um, and she's best known by millions of fans worldwide for her role as the beloved school teacher, Miss Beetle, on the iconic TV show Little House on the Prairie. And it's currently broadcast in syndication in more than 100 countries around the world. But for the first That's the time, truth. yeah, and but for the first time as an adult cast member from Little House, you wrote a book. I'm I, I'm what? You wrote a book. I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, funny. it's called Little House in the Hollywood Hills: A Bad Girl's Guide to Becoming Miss Beetle, Mary X, and Me. And me. And I have to tell you what. I, you know who told me to read the book? Who? Allison Arngrum, she's been on the show several times, and she is so much fun. And she kept telling me, Donna, you got to have Charlotte on. You got to read her book. It is crazy. You you just won't believe it. <laughs> well, did you did you read it? Did you get a chance? Did I send you one? I well, no, I actually ordered it online after I had booked you for the show. I ordered oh. it and got it, and I started reading it. I'm not done, but I'll tell you what, girlfriend, that is. <laughs> I'm good reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a really fun life. I've I've been very blessed and um you know and very grateful. You know, Allison was the one who talked me into writing a book. And uh with the help of my friend Andy um Demp- Dempsky, we uh got together over about two years meeting for coffee and and all I did was tell him stories, and he he had the ability to you know translate it, that to the page, and I I think he did wow. a great job. But I had a lot of fun telling my stories. Oh my God, I can't you know I'm I'm dying to get to the end. I mean I have highlights of what's in the book because you know okay that stuff. But I mean I want you to tell some stories first. What what was it that you know, you finally said and gave in and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. Did you, did you feel it would help other people or did you just want to tell it? I mean, cause it's, you know, a lot of people say when you write you know, a book, it frees you of a lot of things too. Yeah. I never had the intention to write a book, whether to help people or not, but Allison talked me into it. Uh, literally she, cause we, you know, Allison and I travel together quite a bit and we have, you know, for the last at least 10 years, you know, we've been going all over the country and we sit in airports and we talk and we go to dinner and she goes, you got to write that down. I go, eh, no, I don't have any writing talent. Well, apparently Andy Dembski, my writing partner, said all you have to do is you tell me the stories and, and I'll write it down and if you don't think it's right, you know, we'll redo it. So that, was, that made it fun for me, you know, because I do love to tell my stories. People are going, oh, my God. She did what? You know? <laughs> so I'm, well, I'm really blessed with thing. the people I've met. Huh? I was saying the same thing. I started reading it going, oh, my God. 
because you play this character that is this little school marm and you know that's right real prissy and you know you're doing your little thing and uh it looks like you wouldn't say a cuss word if you had a mouthful and you know (laughs) you're playing this little part and then you read the book and you go wow she was a really cool chick (laughs) well remember remember that you know uh it was the 60s and the and the early 70s and there was a lot of change going on in the world and Women had a lot more freedom than they did before in the 50s. Um, right. You know, I came, I grew up in a very small town in Northern California. You know, really never went anywhere until I moved to Los Angeles and went to the uh, State Theater of California, the Pasadena Playhouse. And, you know, started meeting people from all over. And, you know, all kinds of things were happening there. You know, people were smoking grass. And, you know, you could – it was it was a lot um, – more free than it had ever been before. And, and I just thought that was terrific. And my friends were basically, I wasn't really doing anything that my friends weren't doing. But the fact that I was in Hollywood, you know, the people that I met and, you know, partied with were, you know, mostly famous people. And that wasn't my intention either. But that's, you know, if you if you work in a, in a um, certain kind of business, you know, whether it's insurance or whatever, that's the people that you, you know, usually hang out with because that's what they're doing. I was doing show business. I was doing television. I was meeting, you know, TV stars and all and, and working with them on a daily basis. So it wasn't like I was, you know, going around trying to be a groupie. It's just those were the people I worked with. So, right. you know, hence that's who I hung out with. <laughs> well, one of the stories that blew me away was that you dated Jimmy Morrison. I I wouldn't call it dating. <laughs> Once again, remember, it was the 60s. And at the time, no, no, I'm just trying to put it in perspective. Right, um, yeah. It's true, though. So I, had a, I had a clothing store called the Liquid Butterfly uh, in Los Angeles on La Cienega Boulevard. And it was right across the street from Electra Records. And in the building where I had my store was the management for uh, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Jackson, Brand. So I had people coming in and out of my store all the time, you know, and it was just that's that's who was coming into the building. And because they were right across the street from Electra, you know, it attracted a lot of, you know, musicians and all. And one day um, I, I came into the store and Jim Morrison was standing in my in my store. The door was open and I, I had never seen him play. I knew who he was, of course, but I had never been to a concert. I had never been to a club where he had played. So I didn't have a lot of knowledge of him except for, you know, his celebrity and all the stories about him. And we became friends. He he liked to hang out in my store because it was quiet and nobody bothered him. And, um, you know, we always had a bottle of wine or something handy. And um, then we would go for drinks after work and go down the street to one of the clubs or bars and, you know, Jim was a heavy drinker, as I'm sure everybody knows. And quite often I had to help him home. And and literally we became friends. And I think what he needed at the, that point in his life, because he had just been arrested in Florida for uh, indecent exposure on stage. And he was facing a trial. He was going to have to go back to Florida and face trial. And he, he called me up one day and he said, you know, I, uh, I need to get out of town. You want to go? And I said, sure. So he you know, picked me up in his car and we drove up the coast of California and we spent uh, about three and a half days just 
stopping in pool halls and shooting pool and drinking and then moving on to the next town. I took him to visit friends of mine up in Big Sur. And then, you know, when the time, it was time to go back to L.A., he dropped me off at my store. And I never saw him again because he left for France right after that. Um, I think it was to get out of the country. I don't know the specifics. but And then shortly after that, he died. So, you know, I mean, it, I wouldn't call it dating because, you know, he didn't pick me up with a corsage, you know. <laughs> but we did have fun, and we, we were compatible, and um, and that made it fun, you know. Yeah. But I think it was very tragic that, and and, and I don't, I don't really know the cause of his death. People say it was drugs and stuff. I don't think so. I never saw him do a drug, you know, a little grass or something. But I never saw him do anything like that. He had a bad heart because he'd had rheumatic fe- rheumatic fever as a child. He always his face was always like beet red, as you get with high blood pressure. And he was found in the bathtub, so he probably had been drinking heavily, got into a hot bath, and had a heart attack. You know, yeah, most likely. I mean, and people like to make up stories too. People like to make it, you know, bigger than something actually happened, and you just don't know. No, you don't know. Yeah. And that's sad. So what else? All the fake news. What else? Yeah. What else tickles your fancy about my book? What's that? I said, what else tickled your fancy about my book? My, somebody's oh my trying gosh. to call all the people all the people you dated well should I say dated or should I say fling who <laughs> oh my gosh let me see who who's that Bill Murray now did you work with him or did you have a relationship no I didn't have a relationship I didn't work with him he picked me up my girlfriend and I at a club he had just started being on Saturday Night Live I didn't even know who he was never had seen him before in my life and he, he uh, because he was known to a lot of people, Jeannie and I got into the dance, into the club with him. And then he just, he went home with me. You know, what can I say? <laughs> we had fun, you know? <laughs> Nothing wrong with having some fun, right? That's right. That's right. But and I had, she, you know, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, like being in Hollywood all those years, and I, I looked very, very young, and that's why I got so many parts on television, because if you're under 18, they can only work you for so many hours on a, on a soundstage or, in a, you know, in a film or TV. But if you're right. over 18, you, you know, they can work it on midnight and have you come in at 5 in the morning. They have to pay you for it, but, um, but so I got a lot of parts, and I looked – you know, 15, 16 years old for a long time. So it, that was, you know, fortunate for me. But, how, you know, like I say, I worked with a lot acting? of people. How did, huh? how did your career start? How did you get into acting? Um, quite frankly, I wasn't a very good student in high school. I couldn't have, I didn't have the grades to go to college. So I saw an advertisement in a movie magazine for the Pasadena Playhouse. It was the State Theater of California. And so I sent for an application without telling my parents, got accepted, and then I told my parents. And my mother said, well, we'll see about that. And she, we, we drove down to, Los, to Pasadena, and she, we went to the school, and it was quite impressive. It was a seven-story building. It had been there since the 1890s. We had to live in a dormitory. You know, everything was, was very protected. 
And she said, well, you know, looks good. So I started there, and then, like I say, because I looked young, I got a lot of auditions for teenagers, um, basically. And my first job was um, with the Loretta Young Show. Now, you're probably too young to even know who she was, but she was a huge movie star. (laughs) She was one of the few big stars who had a television series. And I did three three of her her episodes because uh, she played different characters in each show, so I was able to play you know different character in each one, and you know and then I did all the other ones, Mannix and FBI and Medical Center and Margie and My Three Sons and you know Bachelor Father and all of those. Um, so it was you know I just was lucky. I guess I was okay. I was good. <laughs> Let me say. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, definitely. And then I married Tim Considine, who was on My Three Sons. He was the oldest son. That was my first husband. And and we're still, we're friends. I'm friends with all my husbands now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I like them and they like me. And, you know, we still, I I lost my, my dear David died, uh, four years ago, and I have re- since remarried to another old friend. And, uh, yeah, I got married at 75. I was a newlywed. So, wow, good you know, you. Why not? It, it's never too late. And we travel together a lot. Sometimes he goes with me on my little house on the Prairie Johns, and I go with him on his his business. And, you know, we, I've, I've met a wonderful life partner at this stage of my life. I'm very, very, very lucky. And then, because... Right. I live in Napa Valley, California. Yeah, I've always been in California. I was raised in Northern California on a farm, and you know, a very small town. And um, yeah, I like California. I did too. I grew up there. I grew up in Huntington Beach. Oh, know it well. Yes. Yeah. Know yeah, it well. I grew up in Beautiful. Beach and my folks are all up in Northern Cal. Where? So I have a brother in Mill Valley with his wife. Yeah. Uh, which is above San Francisco. And then I have yeah, uh, my dad's in Lake Tahoe on the North Shore. Know it very and, well. Yeah. And my mom is in Sutter Creek. In, uh, my grandparents came from Sutter Creek. My mother's no family came from Sutter Creek. Um, I love that place. I do, too. I love that whole gold country, Jackson and Sutter Creek. I just love that area. It's beautiful. It's home. Yeah, it is so common. My mom loves it there, you know. She's still semi-retired and uh, still working. Well, it's it's kept its charm. You know, it's still a small town, you know, with all the things that go with a small town. You know, the little bed and breakfast things and the tea shops. And, you know, I I really love going there. My husband and I go up there quite a bit to um, for different uh, different events. But. It's beautiful. And they have, you know, the wineries are beautiful there, too. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think as, some are as nice as they are in Napa. But yeah. uh, they have great places where even if you don't drink, you know, some people say, well, I don't drink wine. You don't have to. They usually have music uh, venues and yeah. beautiful places yeah. to picnic. It's so relaxing. Yeah. And the countryside is beautiful. Just beautiful. I love that red dirt, you know, with the wild turkeys running all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so what else do you want to know? 
I, well, I, the other thing, um, Twin Peaks, what do you have going on with that? Oh, um, well, God, I was supposed to be at an event yesterday in Los Angeles and I missed my plane. <laughs> I couldn't, oh, no. I couldn't. Oh, I felt so terrible, but you know, I had to leave here at quarter to five in the morning to get to the airport and traffic was horrible. And I came skidding in five minutes late. It had already left the gate. But there was a big event there for uh, international journalists. And they had, you know, several people from the cast and then editors and all uh, doing it. But, you know, Twin Peaks, I go back with David Lynch to uh, 1960, 1970, apparently, when he was at um, film school, the American Film Institute. And I did his student film that's called Eraserhead. And that started his career. He won the uh, Los Angeles Film Festival with that as a student. And his next film was Elephant Man. You know, he just springboarded into a fantastic career. So he called me up to do the last Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks 1 and 2. That was 25 years ago. And um, so, you know, we reconnected. And then about three years ago, he called me up here. I'm up in Napa, and he called me. He says, hey, Charlotte, you want to go to work? <laughs> I said, sure, yeah. So, okay, I'm going to do Twin Peaks again. And so I didn't know what I was getting into. He never lets anybody read a script. You know, you, you get it when you get there or shortly before. So I had no idea what it was about. I had no idea how outrageous it was. It was just so amazing. It was like going to a psychedelic museum, you know. Every episode was just filled with the most ironic um, characters and dialogue and images. And it, if you haven't seen it, you know, watch it from the beginning. Not that you have to. David says you can watch you can watch it completely out of order, and it still would work. So just it's like paging through a, 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 an amazing art book. And but right. that's what I've always thought of his films anyway. They're more like going to a gallery than, you know, having a linear story told. Right. So, Eraserhead yeah, that's became my a cult connect- classic. I'm sorry, what? Uh, Eraserhead became a cult classic. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. In fact, I was in an art gallery um, about a year ago over in Port Costa, which is just north of San Francisco. This wonderful uh, artist that I love his work. Um, I was in there and and I I looked at a piece that he had displayed and I said, "Oh my God, that spike!" He said, "What?" I said, "Oh, it's a term I use for the baby in the racer head. That was my baby." And he went, "You were in a racer head?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "I saw that when I was in college and it changed my life." Wow. He was just, you know, I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, a sensitive artist saw something that was absolutely magical, and he, you know, changed the whole career, changed his entire career. And I was like, that's wow. Amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of um, influence David Lynch has. You know, that's he's so respected. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much. I know you're busy and everything, and I want to thank you so much for coming on today. You had a lot of fans that were listen. Well, and thank you so much. I would love to have you and Allison on together. Okay. We, we'll do that. She's in France right now. So 
it won't be soon, but you know, you can get, do you go through um, Paul? Um, I can't remember who put us, who put you and I together. Was it just Allison? She gave you my number. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Did I lose you? Oop, our call dropped. Hey, guys, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to give her a phone call and just say sorry that the call dropped somehow. And um, we will have her and Allison on together. It'll be a blast. It should be a lot of fun. And sorry for the mix-up at the beginning of the show. We were trying to call back and forth, and the calls kept dropping. So I'm sure it might, might be something on her end because uh, there's nothing on my switchboard saying there's a problem. Anyways, you guys have a great rest of your afternoon, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have a show on Monday. And that is with Chad Wooten, the military hour, and he's going to be interviewing one of his Marine buddies and the organization that they work for. It's going to be a really good show, so don't miss it. Have a great afternoon, everyone.